Now, I know this might be going off on a little bit of a, a branch distraction here, but there's a thought comes to my mind that's very, very important. To be a useful Christian, a submitted Christian and loyal to the Lord, we need to study the enemy. It's one of the first lessons in warfare. Know your enemy. Now, in the modern church today, in the contemporary church today, the word is that there is no enemy. Well, what enemy? Christians are loving people. There's no war. There's no battle. There's no real danger. We just have to follow the golden rule, and all will be well. We're looking at Psalm 2, verse 8 again, where the Father said to the Son, Ask of me, and I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. We learn from this that God holds all blessing under his authority. God is sovereign and will of his creatures to ask for his mercies. Esther the queen was to ask of the king her request up to half the kingdom. Kings declared their magnanimity and worth by giving great gifts. So does the Lord. In Matthew 14, 7, we read about Herodias. She asked for half the kingdom, and whereupon he promised with an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. And when she asked for the ridiculous, even the head of John the Baptist, her wish was still granted. And so God will maintain his honor by giving to his people the riches of his grace by prayer. When it is without prayer, then he withholds the blessing, for it would be a great loss to his name. John Newton, the hymn writer, wrote, Come, my soul, thy suit prepare. Jesus loves to answer prayer. He himself has bid thee pray. Therefore will not say thee nay. Therefore will not say thee nay. Thou art coming to a king, large petitions with thee bring. For his grace and power are such, none can ever ask too much. None can ever ask too much. So God said to his son in this scheme of grace, Ask. Think of the greatness of the request for the nations, all peoples of every tribe and nation, Muslim people, Hindu people, Buddhist people, uh, Taoists, Roman Catholics, Protestants, all the religions, all the peoples, all the nations of the world. I've been doing a little research into the Hindu peoples. We are getting many new neighbors from of Indian descent here uh, near our church. The nations are coming to Canada, and this is the great missionary challenge for our church. We don't have to send missionaries now be around the world. They are coming to ask. And the Lord says to his church, Ask for the heathen, the darkest souls who are blinded by the false religions and pagan cultures of the world. And the church is to plead in prayer. The church is made up of all. In Revelation 10, 11, and he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples, and nations, and tongues, and kings. Now we have to confess that our prayers are often so small and so limited. But we're to ask of the Father. 
We're to pray to God, the great giver of every blessing, to the one who holds all things in his hands, the creator of the universe, the God who gives life to all men and all things. Prayer is God's will for us. Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Surely we dethrone God when we refuse to pray. Those who will not ask make gods of themselves and rob God of his sovereignty. We sometimes complain that our little children are too independent. They want to do things their own way and their own strength and will not take any help. We have to stand by and watch them feel. How often does God do that with us? Therefore, let us ask Ask for the heathen, for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Surely, therefore, we can pray for Canada, that God may take this land and turn many from the darkness of sin to the knowledge of Christ through the gospel. I challenge you to be a man or woman of prayer in this new year. Pray without ceasing. Pray for souls. Pray for the preaching of the word. Pray that God will send his spirit to draw men to the preaching of the cross. listening to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and I do invite you to join with me now in prayer as we think of this exhortation in Psalm 2.8, to ask of me, and I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance. Now, that word heathen seems to be a very crude word, but it simply means those that do not know God, do not know his word, do not know the gospel. They are far from God, or perhaps even bowing down to other gods small g, to idols, to following religions that are man-made, all of that is idolatry. And God calls men to repentance of these things, to forsake these things, and to worship him alone. 
The very first commandment is, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And we need to pray that God will turn uh, his face upon this nation, calling men out of darkness into, into light. There is a great missionary program to pursue here in this land of Canada. Let's pray for that. Father, we come to thee in Jesus' name today. We ask that you will be gracious and merciful as we proclaim thy word today. We thank thee for this promise of Psalm 2.8. Ask of me, and I will give thee the heathen for thine inheritance. And Lord, I'm praying today for those people who don't know the Bible, who don't know our Lord Jesus Christ, who don't know what it is to be redeemed by the precious blood, who are strangers to grace and to God, and need to be born again of the Spirit, that today that you would bring them into a true conversion and to be saved by sovereign grace. We ask for thy blessing upon the ministry of your word today, and that you will use it for your glory and for your honor. And Lord, remember those that are lonely and perhaps distressed because of bereavement and the sorrows and tragedies of life. Lord, you have said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now hear us and bless us. In Jesus' name. Going straight now to the pulpit ministry of our church, to Judges 7, verse 7. Listening within earshot, and that's very important because of what he hears. And this is the first lesson for the Christian in God's service, that if we're going to be useful, we must be submitted to his every will. And now Gideon is to arise and to go down. Now, in verse 9 through 12, you'll see that Gideon submitted to survey the enemy. Let's just read a couple of these verses. Uh, let's go down to verse 12. And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the children of the east lay along in the valley like grasshoppers for multitude, and their camels were without number as the sand by the seaside for the multitude. And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man. And there he is now going, surveying the enemy. Now, I know this might be going off on a little bit of a, a branch distraction here, but there's a thought comes to my mind that's very, very important. To be a useful Christian, a submitted Christian and loyal to the Lord, we need to study the enemy. It's one of the first lessons in warfare. Know your enemy. Now, in the modern church today, in the contemporary church today, the word is that there is no enemy. Well, what enemy? Christians are loving people. There's no war. There's no battle. There's no real danger. We just have to follow the golden rule, and all will be well. Where's the enemy? Well, the Bible teaches us very, very carefully and especially when you go to the book of Revelation of that awful dragon, Satan, the deceiver that has gone out among the nations that is seeking to destroy and to bring down the people of God. And then when we learn the tricks, the temptations, the wiles of the devil, as Paul put it in Ephesians 6, we're to flee temptation, flee temptation. And it's all part of watching. Now, Gideon submitted to, to witness God's purposes. And here's one of the strangest things that you'll ever read in the Bible. 
God has a message for Gideon. He speaks to him directly in verse 9, but he now speaks to uh, Gideon through a Midianite in the camp as he overhears and eavesdrops upon the very conversations of the campers. Verse 13, And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow. How can you think of this? God causes a Midianite to have a dream. He rehearses the dream to a friend, and he has Gideon there to hear the story of the dream, and the message is for Gideon. Talk about indirect communication. Talk about levels of, of, of getting to your man. God has many ways of speaking to us, you know. God has many people whom God will use to direct us. And he can even use the ungodly to have a direction for a Christian. Now, what was the message? Well, in this dream, he dreamed of a cake of barley bread that tumbled into the host of Midian and came into a tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it that the tent lay along. Lay along. Now, we didn't have the final part of this in the Bible. We'd all be scratching our heads. What could this be? A cake of barley rolling down a hill into a tent and defeating this nation. Now, the interpretation is given us here, right in verse 14. And his fellow answered and said, This is nothing else. Save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, for into his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. Wow! If anything would have been a shot of adrenaline into the heart of a Gideon at this moment, it would have been that interpretation. God has given us the victory. This is the message. Arise! And the whole event begins to take place. What does Gideon do firstly? He worships. Verse 15, And it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshipped. A mark of submission. A mark of submission. A mark of a man or a woman who in the heat even of battle worships. Takes time to thank, to note, to give praise to his God. Here is the man God uses, the man that's in submission. He's also submitted to worship God in faith. You see, the best of God's servants are God's worshipers. That's the key to Christian service. I never recommend to anybody opting out of the regular worship of God's church, God's house, for any kind of Christian activity. I'm glad that just recently the care home ministry is no longer at 6 p.m. And those involved in it can be free from abstaining from our evening service. You can't be useful to God if you don't worship. That's a great lesson. Let's learn it tonight. Let's put our emphasis on the worship and the outcome will be God's. Now, the story wraps up 
with our third major point here that he shows how he uses his choice vessels. Gideon now is a man that's, that's energized and electrified by all that he has heard. He now goes to work with an intuitive plan. There's no word that God gives him the detail of the plan, but immediately he takes his 300 men, he separates them into three different groups, he gives everyone a trumpet and everyone a clay vessel, he puts into this clay vessel a lamp of fire, and he sends these three groups around the Midianite camp, around the circumference edges. We're not exactly told the north, south, east, west locations, but you can get the picture that this great camp is all encircled and they've got their, their uh, forces looking outward toward Israel. And around that circumference are these three bands of men ready with their trumpet, ready with their pitchers and fire. And as soon as Gideon blasts his trumpet, the melee begins. Every man in their respective three groups blows their trumpet. They smash the pitchers in which is this ball of fire, a lamp, and it ignites as a great hurling flame in the face of the enemy in the darkness. They hear the sound of the trumpet repeatedly and the motto, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And because the way they were positioned, the panic that struck the enemy, they all began to run inward. It was like an implosion. And they began to hack, butcher, and destroy one another. This was Gideon's night of shock and awe, as we would say in our present generation. But it was a night of sheer pandemonium. And a night when God gave to Gideon the absolute victory. Now the trumpet, what does it mean? I had hoped in my introduction tonight to lay the ground for this, but way back in chapter 6, verse 34, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet. It seems to me that God is suggesting to us here that when a man is filled with the Spirit, he will sound a new note of hope. And Gideon, who prior to this victory, back in chapter 6, when he was dealing with all the Baal worshippers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he blew the trumpet, it was a new voice of hope. But now, in the midst of the battle against the Midianites as they blew the trumpet, what does it mean? It means that it is the Spirit of God's work to confound the enemy, because the Spirit's work is to convict of sin, judgment to come. That's His work. And rather than the proud, obstinate, arrogant attitude of the world, the Spirit of God sends confusion into the ranks of the enemy. To the Christian, clarity. To the Christian, understanding. But to the enemy, confusion. 
It was like that night in Israel when the light came upon Goshen for the Israelites and the darkness was upon Egypt. God can do that. We're living in a society today when the enemy is very proud of their so-called learning, their secular learning, their human knowledge. God can take all that pride away. Now, the pictures with the light, what do they mean? These Midianites and Amalekites, well, they were workers of darkness. And the Lord's enemies always work in darkness. If you read the book of Revelation at the Battle of Armageddon, you will find that the dragon and the Satan and the little uh, beast and the great beast, they all assemble to deceive the nations. And evil men hate the light. They will not come to the light. And on this night, whenever Gideon was in the midst to uh, confuse the enemy, with that burst of light from three different parts of the camp, the enemy was sent into awful and complete chaos. God always works by sending the light. Our Lord Jesus is the light of the world. You as a Christian are said to be the light of the world. He makes his church to be the light of the world. And if we want to be useful, the way God uses his instruments, well, we've seen with, with uh, Gideon, he fills them with the Spirit. And then he uses him to send the light. And our work against darkness, spiritual darkness, error, false doctrine, those doctrines of devils that destroy men's souls, our work is to spread the light. Are you in on this? Is this your work? Is this your burden? Is this your heart's desire that men may receive the light and be brought to the light and be delivered from the powers of darkness? How do we do this? Well, the early Christians we learned a little of this this morning in Paul's preaching in Rome. The early Christians, as they sought to spread the light of New Testament Christianity in a pagan world, what did they do? What was their message of light? It was one word, Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world. And as they preached Christ and as they preached all that he accomplished in his life, death, and resurrection, Darkness was dispelled. The greatest thing that can happen in Canada is for many men and women, boys and girls, to know the true Jesus of the Bible. They need to know him, not just some uh, aberration or some uh, imaginary Jesus, but the true Christ of the New Testament. And it is our work. That's what God has called us to do to go into all the world and preach the gospel and proclaim his holy word. Now, as I think of this great battle here, I think of what the Lord's going to do when he comes again the second time. He's going to destroy the enemy with the brightness of his coming. Second Thessalonians 2.8, Then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Now, to you and me as Christians, that's going to be a, a beautiful light. 
It's going to be a wonderful, peaceable light to our souls. But to the ungodly, it will be abject terror. It will be sheer shock and alarm because Satan hates the light and evil men hate the light. The God of this world trembles lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine in unto men. Now, we are to keep on at this work. We're to keep on at this work. What a wonderful mop-up operation they had after all this as the Midianites were put to flight. Tonight, in the 21st century, no, we're not in a mop-up operation, but we are a part of God's plan to put down the devil and his works. The Lord is building his church, saving his people, and he's gathering in his own. And on that day, the barn will be filled, and everyone will be there. But God gives us our day and generation to do his work, and we're to be found faithful in the midst of it. In Israel, many had turned to Baal worship. I see that today. There's a generation around us that have turned to the God of hedonism, the God of pleasure, the God of loving the world instead of hate the world and separate from the world. And there is now today a form of Christianity that denies the power. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I don't want to have any part of any ministry that's going to deny the power of the gospel. We might be the smallest church in town. We might be the smallest group in our society, but we can be a people with the message and the power of God to deliver it. And as we learn tonight that God sifts, that God looks for submission, and he wants to make us his choice vessels by faith, by the Holy Spirit, and by proclaiming the light of the gospel, that we can be a people that will do a work for God. Now, the mop-up operation, you can read of that, but also it put Israel back on its feet. And what deliverance, what victory there was for the people of God. May the Lord give us days of great victory in the year to come. I, I have to say I can hardly think of how I ever got to these Midianites on, on January 1. But I thank God for it. And I feel like Gideon myself tonight. I feel like this Spirit of the Lord coming. And we need that anointing of God to serve the Lord. Without it, we can do nothing. I pray that every one of us will have a fresh touch, a fresh vision, and no fresh victory as we serve the Lord together. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived 
by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca, CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. Music